HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Samantha Garner, and I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm a Cheeselandian because I take cheese seriously, just like they do in Wisconsin. Go to Cheeselandia.com to learn more, and if it's for you, sign up. Welcome to Processing, a show about the intersection of food and grief. With your hosts, me, Zara Tangora, and my mom. <laughs> Mama Bobby. Mama Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hi, Mom. Hi, Saz. How's it going? Good. So today we have a Mother's Day show for you guys. And uh, yeah, we just talk a lot about the kind of complex nature of this holiday and the ebbs and flows and the ups and downs and the pros and cons and uh, the kind of emotional toll that it can take. And it was a really beautiful, interesting episode. I held back tears for much of it. It makes me sad. I don't know. It makes me uh, have tears of appreciation. Yeah. But I think most of all, we were very conscious of being inclusive because one thing I've come to understand is that everybody has a different story and we can't make Mm -hmm. assumptions that just because there's a holiday called Mother's Day that everybody feels the same way. Absolutely. I feel like both of us were a really big, you know, in a sensitive nature, trying to really um, acknowledge that. Right. And, you know, uh, also, as we mentioned in the episode, but just straight out of the gate, like gender is also a construct and, a, you know, um, it's not binary as we continue to uh, learn and talk about and uh, educate ourselves about. And so, you know, Mother's Day is uh, the concept of who is a mother and who is a woman and who is, you know, a man and how people structure families. Like, it's so it's so good that that concept keeps expanding and it is different to everybody and whatever it is to you is really, really valid and just, yes. you know, want to yeah. honor that. Um, that's important, I think, to remember. Yes. On this Mother's Day. Um, so without further ado, should we get into the episode, Mother? Yes, yes we shall. Okay. <laughs> okay, I love you. I love you too. Right. 
right, Bobby. So we are recording a Mother's Day episode today, which is a complex, a complex, complicated, strange, and also lovely holiday. It's true. I always think I'm very sensitive on Mother's Day, actually, not myself, but when I think of my clients and I think of all the variety of possibilities, Mm. um, you know, Mother's Day represents so many things. It's a commercial public holiday Mm. and it can be such a trigger for people, you know, particularly if a mother is no longer with them or they had a difficult and painful relationship. And I also work a lot with people that have lost their children and Mm. Mother's Day for them is such a difficult day. Yeah. Um, maybe they were unable to conceive or they gave a child up for adoption. So, you know, we all think, oh, Mother's Day, flowers and plants and smiles and mothers, but that isn't the way it is for everybody. Of course. And it's one of those things that's difficult because it is that way for some people. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. And I don't know. I feel like holidays in general for me, like I just, and, and Mother's Day too, like I love to celebrate Mother's Day with you, but it also makes me sad. If there's a part of it that makes me feel sad, I don't know, like, uh, maybe that's just personal, but there's some part of big memories, like holidays and things like that. And Mother's Days where I'm like, ooh, this is like, you know. Well, we had some difficult Mother's Days. Yeah. We've had some very wonderful ones. And that's how life is. Life is, is not just a string of pearls, as I always say. Right. There's little pearls all over the place. And, um, but we certainly have made some lovely Mother's Days together. We often go out in nature. Yes. Right? That's do. something that we do. And um, I enjoy that so much. Well, you know, the mother-child particularly, I mean, I don't know, I'll just say the mother-child relationship is is really complicated. And again, much like Mother's Day, I think just the idea of how, you know, the the painting of how parent-child relationships are supposed to be, and particularly your relationship with the mother is supposed to be, is often not that way. And I think uh, just that in itself, that expectation can be a setup for disappointment for people. And then, you know, you pile on top of it Mother's Day, like a whole day. And it's, it is, I don't know. I wonder how many people truly enjoy, <laughs> truly enjoy Mother's Day. It, it, does anyone, it's loaded. if you're out it's there. It's loaded. It is loaded. It's, uh, yeah, it's really right? loaded. And it's one yeah. of those holidays that I think, you know, we celebrate, uh, and I'm not, yeah, I guess I'm just not sure that anybody really likes it <laughs> fully. <laughs> I think it's just a, like an, a pain. But if we look at it like that, right, what if we choose to reframe looking at a day like Mother's Day as a day of introspection and a day of allowing yourself to say, you know, fuck this day and, and, and a day of like looking at painful and hard feelings. How interesting would that be? Whether rather than being like, this needs to be a great fun day, maybe to reframe this year's mother's day as like an, uh, a mental health holiday, you know, to like really like examine how our mental health is doing and then, and allow ourselves to feel shitty for a day, maybe. Instead of good. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like that. <laughs> well, you know, another way of looking at it is that um, the concept of mother, we all have a mother. Mm. Every single person has a mother. Or has had think. a mother. Had, has had a mother. And in that, I think we could t- look at the archetypal concept of what mother means. Mm. You know, what mother actually means. So if we could look at it in that way, because many people have different people become their mothers, whether even if they're not adopted, that um, sometimes a teacher can become a mother or an aunt or a mentor. Um, There's a concept in psychology called good mother. 
And what that means is it doesn't mean that our mother was a bad mother, but it means it's, again, it's the archetypal, I always, that word always <laughs> catches me up, archetypal mm-hmm. concept of what mother actually means, you know, the sense mm-hmm. of protector, of nurturer, of um, of uh, cheerleader, of um, supporter, of warmth, of, you know, when you see a dog give birth. You know, mm. the mother, right? Ew. And, and all the puppies. <laughs> no, just listen. And then all the puppies No, I'm no, gathered, I know. I'm you know, picturing and a dog giving birth. Mother. That's yeah. the concept of mother. So I found an amazing quote that I thought was very special. Let's hear it. So it's by somebody called Adrian Rich, who I don't know. But um, Adrian said, Probably there is nothing in human nature more resonant with charges than the flow of energy between two biologically alike bodies one of which has lain in amniotic bliss inside the other, and one of which has labored to give birth to the other. Mm. So if we go back to that, that is real. You know, we each, that is how we each, each one of us walking around, that is how we each came into this world. Right. And for some of us, that's a one, it's a kind of wonderful image to, and, to conjure and to know that there's like that bond between you and someone else. And if you have a bad relationship with a parent, it can be, that can be a devastating kind of thing to think about, you know, like, Oh, I came from you and I, it's, it can be really hard for people. Yes. And no, it still represents why we're here. It's still the only way we got here was because of that. That's how we as humans. So we may not have a good feeling about our mothers for one reason or another, but um, we're breathing and living because we were in that place. Yeah. And that's yeah. so powerful to me, you know? I really you know. know the other of thing, yeah. The other thing is that, you know, we've known our mothers our whole life. Mm. And, you know, our whole life. And whether, however, they're always part of who we are, whether it's complicated or whether it's easy or whether it's hard or whether it's bitter or whether it's you know, just all the traumas that happen. I think about families. folks who haven't known their mothers at all their whole life though. And how the right. instinct of, you know, I think about my, I don't know if I, I've mentioned this on the show, I think, but how, um, after dad died, I found out that I had a long lost brother who had been put up for adoption by dad and another woman, uh, when, you know, they had gotten, she had gotten pregnant, uh, when she was 18 or 17 or something. And I think about Brad, my brother who didn't know his mother at all, his whole life, but yet, and didn't know dad. And yet when I, and I didn't know Brad's mother either, it wasn't you, it was another person, but, um, you know, when I met Brad and he had never met my dad, they had so many similarities, like just these like not just looks wise, but mannerisms and stuff. And I, I think that same thing could be translated to, you know, mother or father, but like that there's something in you, even if you never knew this person, it's so, it's such a interesting thought. And also like, I really try to empathize with folks who never did get a chance to know their mom, Mm -hmm. whether because they were, you know, put up for adoption or death or separated Mm -hmm. in some Mm -hmm. way. Um, what that feeling must be like, you know, that kind of like knowing that you're tethered to some, to something and someone that you've never known. It must be such a, such a wild feeling, you know, and yes, I really and have the a tethered of- part is what's so interesting. You know, I guess we are tethered to our mother in that sense of that fact that we, we were in their bodies in that amniotic fluid and that they labored to deliver us. So in honor of that, 
you know, that's what we were talking about Mother's Day today and what mother means to each of us. It has a different meaning. Right. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the history of Mother's Day and then to tie it to food, something that is, you know, the common trope of Mother's Day is going out to a Mother's Day brunch. And I thought it was interesting uh, why we do that. And so here's a bit of information, much of which I gathered from Wikipedia um, about Mother's Day and its origins. So the modern holiday of Mother's Day was first celebrated in 1907 when Anna Jarvis held a memorial for her mother at St. Andrew's Methodist Church in Gapton, West Virginia. So this woman, Anna Jarvis, had been pushing for a day of a Mother's Day for a really long time, but she wanted it to represent something different. So her campaign to make Mother's Day a recognized holiday in the U.S. began in 1905, the year her mother, Anne Reeves Jarvis, died. Uh, Anne Anne Jarvis had been a peace activist who cared for wounded soldiers on both sides of the American Civil War and created Mother's Day work clubs to address public health issues. She and another peace activist and suffragette, Julia Ward Howe, had been urging for the creation of a Mother's Day dedicated to peace. Forty days before it became an official holiday, Ward Howe made her Mother's Day proclamation in 1870, which called upon mothers of all nationalities to band together to promote amicable settlement of international questions, the great and general in, in the great and general interest of peace. So wow. it was a suffragette kind of movement aimed towards recognizing peace after the Civil War. So the American version of Mother's Day has been criticized for becoming too commercialized, which mm-hmm. Anna Jarvis herself regretted almost immediately after, you know, and she spoke about it, how she was, she expressed that it was never her intention for it to be commercialized and her intentions were to have it as this like recognition of peace. Internationally, there were immediate concerns surrounding the exclusive association of Mother's Day with biological definition of motherhood. Constance Adelaide Smith instead advocated for Mothering Sunday as an equivalent celebration. She referred to medieval traditions of celebrating Mother Church, Mothers of Mm -hmm. Early Homes, Mary, Mother of Jesus, and Mother Nature. Right. So Mm. I think that's pretty interesting. And in the British Isles, apparently, like, um, that is more or less how Mother's Day is recognized in like the UK and stuff, even to this day as a, as mothering Sunday and a celebration of all things mothering, which we kind of see. Spoke I really about like before. that. And that's what we're talking about. And I really wish that it was more inclusive because right. it, it pains me so deeply when I think of some mothers I've worked with who lost their only child. Yeah. And, and they have to go through this day where they see every store they go into every, they turn on the TV, every right. ad, but it's, it's just, the I worst love the inclusivity of me that. Me too. It's but the beautiful. worst part, and kind of what we were talking about before, is, yeah, you see all this thing as though there's all these people who are really enjoying this. I don't really know that anybody really fully likes I don't know why we do it. <laughs> but, but you mentioned the word peace. You mentioned the yeah. word peace, and that's interesting. Because I even remember years when you and I were struggling, and you would still come on Mother's Day. You know, you would come to visit, and we would create a peace for the day. Mm. We would try to create a peace. And that was a beautiful thing. And we do it by not talking necessarily about things. Maybe we would plant flowers or we would cook a meal or something like that. So, you know, I love the fact that a suffragette, you know, in the name Mm. of peace, you know, came up with with the holiday. But, you know, things that become commercial get ruined. And that's part of it. And it's true. Of course. I mean, it's capitalism intervening in, in, you know, 
on a celebration, this is what happens. It becomes completely bastardized. Bastardized? Yeah. Bastardized? <laughs> We're, We're both having, well, we must be related. Today. Bastardized. Um, <laughs> right. Okay, well, so. Oh, that's because my mother was Hungarian and Yugoslavian, and I could never right. understand any words that she said. So. <laughs> Um, okay, so in the midst of the suffragette movement, feminists of the era decided enough was enough. According to um, this reporter, in 1907, Harriet Stanton Blatch, the daughter of famed suffragist Elizabeth Cady Stanton, uh, and a woman leader in her own right, and Hetty Wright Graham, sued the fashionable Hoffman House restaurant for refusing to seat them, because then this is kind of how brunch comes to be. So women were not allowed prior. And it's interesting that these both things coalesced kind of in 1907, that women weren't allowed to go out to eat. (laughs) So as part of the suffragist movement, these women decided we're going to go out and we're going to sit in a restaurant and go eat. So an all-male jury found in favor of the Hoffman House for not serving them. Um, a New York assemblyman introduced an ultimately unsuccessful bill that would have allowed women equal accommodations with men in public spaces, revealing a Mm -hmm. shift in public perception. There was no single turning point in the fight for equal dining, but in 1908, Stouffer writes, keeping women from eating out without a male escort began to, quote, be seen as what it was, an antique, uh, preposterous, and ultimately untenable custom. So the ties between daytime dining out and women's liberation became reinforced with the rise of brunch in America in the 1930s. From the 1930s to the 1970s, brunch was being marketed as a meal that was like time-saving and also money-saving. So you could Mm. combine breakfast and lunch. So, you know, post-war, that became very popular. Lunch. It's brunch, right? Well, it's brunch. And okay, I'm just teasing. Yeah, it is blunch, but it's pronounced brunch, Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) But same thing. Um, And so then, you know, Mother's Day brunch kind of starts as part of this, like, you know, brunch was marketed towards women and dining out during the day became, I guess, the first way that women could dine out. Right. Um, Because also post-war women and during the war, during World War II, women were entering the workforce. And if they didn't bring lunch with them to work... They needed to eat out in public. So this kind of all happened at the same time. Um, And then the concept of Sunday brunch took took off amidst a general loosening of social mores in post-World War II America. People were getting, people were going to church less, which meant the chance to sleep more and start the day with a late breakfast. Restaurants and hotels pushed brunch as a way to drum up new business. By the 1950s, brunch had trickled into the home as rules for Sunday relaxed. uh, So too did the meal schedule. Um, which I think is very interesting. And then restaurants were quick to capitalize and they're taking advantage of mom of Mother's Day for their brunch marketing. As early as the 1940s, newspapers like the New York Times were advertising Mother's Day brunch specials at various restaurants. The marketing around Mother's Day was about really treating your mom and giving her a break from domestic chores. um, Taking the luxurious step of brunching at a restaurant and eliminated cleanup that might fall onto mom's way so the kids decided to make pancakes at home. So this is kind of where, like, going out to brunch um, started as a Mother's Day tradition. Which, uh, you know, look, I mean, even though there are, as we're talking about, really difficult things about this holiday and problematic and emotionally complicated things and capitalist agendas that are in direct contrast with uh, proper celebration, it also, you know, there are nice things. And it is nice to think about, you know, many mothers 
uh, do work extremely hard to keep a family together. And, Absolutely. Um, it is nice to be able to do something to celebrate. And if, if you're a mother out there listening who likes being treated on Mother's Day or likes going to brunch, that's okay, too. You don't have to hate Mother's Day just because we're talking so much shit about it. You know what I mean? Like, you can like it and that's fine. And, and maybe it has positive memories. And I would think that, like, you know, things surrounding food traditions and doing things that your mom likes and making making her feel special with, like, special, particularly special foods and being pampered is, is very sweet. It's undeniably well, I'd like a sweet to talk gesture. a little bit more about being a mother, actually, mm. you know, that aspect of it, you know, being a mother. And, you know, of course, there's the, for, you know, if you're blessed to be able to give birth to a child, there's the memory of, um, you know, the gestation period and carrying them around. And I, I always remember that. I used to sing to you a lot, and I used to sing You Are My Sunshine, and that therefore that became kind of our our theme song and I had a music box that your dad got me when you were born that was You Are My Sunshine and I remember that the feeling of a a child growing inside the most unbelievable feeling that I could ever ever that I've ever can think of Mm. Um, and I very much remember the labor I mean everybody has um, it's different for everybody sometimes it's a cesarean and sometimes it's you know a birth for 28 hours but it's the most profound it, it's next to watching somebody die is, is watching a baby being born and when it's your own baby it's just unbelievable that for me um, I had never I had worked so hard in my life you know running the food business and I hadn't really thought about having a child and when I did um, I, it was just such a profound experience to know that this was a child that was my, that, you know my you know, my child. So I think the labor that a mother goes through of that, that whole process of carrying a child for nine months and the labor of it is also something to be noted. You know, it really is. It's a big job. It's hard. It's a big deal. Yeah. I was was talking to a very pregnant woman yesterday and she was just so tired and I could see, and she had two other kids and the whole concept of what it was going to be like for her to now have a third and, you know, and the, what that meant to her, the, the, um, the job of it, the task of it the responsibility Mm. of it, you know? So I think all that's important. I think that's part of what we do on Mother's Day is that we honor that no matter how, uh, you know, a mother was. And and mothers are often children, you know, having children. And that happens sometimes, you know, and sometimes there's, um, there's there's issues and they struggle and it's hard for them, but um, they still have this feeling of, you know, of, watching over of the you know the the concept that this is a child who's in my flock mm. you know and I and, and I and you and you do that throughout your life I think as a mother I only have you but I imagine that for some mothers they have you know they can have 10 children they can have three children but it's always this concept of thinking about them and where they are and what they're doing and often it concerns uh, it comes into worrying and um, concern and care and um, all those things. So I think that a mother's job is is deep and um, and arduous in many ways, and mm. beautiful. It has it can have so many um, bright lights when you see this being that was inside of you become their own person, and that part is both. Is that hard? I, it's I think both. That I was about to say it's a it's both scary and amazing and wonderful at the same time. And for, of course, every psychological temperament. Is going to handle this differently, but I remember the first time you said no, 
you're two years old and you really said no. And I'll never forget that. It was like, oh, she's a separate person. She's going to say no. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was pretty amazing. That was she's going to say it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you yeah. know, the mother-child bond is primal. Mm. And the concept of mother has a deep place in our psyche, no matter who our mother was. It's still a very, very deep place of psyche in our psyche. And um, the re- relationship that unfolds is complicated. And, you know, but basically the concept of mother, you know, we were talking about before the archetypal concept, it represents safety and security and warmth and comfort. And um, sometimes mothers can't provide that. And it makes it very complicated. Well, I think, you know, remembering that, like, it's very hard. I know at least it's been very hard for me in my life to remember that our mothers are also people People. who are, Mm -hmm. you know, flawed and figuring it out. And it's hard to accept that someone who's responsible for you is also doesn't have all the answers and also will fuck up and that fucks you up sometimes. And that's very hard to grapple with. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. It's a very difficult lifelong for a lot of people. My, I will say for myself, for sure, puzzled to try to put together about how to, how and where to, I don't know be able to feel your feelings about things that maybe you didn't get or weren't fair and where to just accept that people are people and every single person has things about them that, you know, are difficult or complicated. So I think or you that's might the basic thing we could honor with. then. We could really honor both um, mothers and children today. Yeah. And what that means. And that it's yeah. not an easy thing to be a mother. It's not an easy thing to have a mother. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's also... It's not an easy thing to be a person. It really is Deeply isn't. rooted. And that it I think really what you said before is the most important thing, that mothers are people and children are people and adult children are people. And being able to see that, to know that your child is a person and being able to know that your mother is a person, a separate person, is probably one of the most important lessons that we learn in our life anyway. Mm. So I thought we might do a little something. Um, I had an experience... Uh, recently of talking with somebody, a client, and it was somebody whose mother had passed and they didn't really have a a strong sense of memory or anything. And I asked them to think about their childhood kitchen. Mm. And from that image came a whole flood of of memories that were very, very Mm. special and very important. So I thought we might do something like that with our listeners right now, um, because our memories provide not just history, but a continuity in our lives. And they help us link our past with our present, you know, who we are. So would you be willing to do that, Zara, too? Even if none of our listeners do it, would you be willing to do it? No. No, of course. (laughs) Good. Okay. There's that no again. There's that no. Okay. I won't. (laughs) Yes, of course. Okay. All right. So just in in a kind of a relaxed place, notice your breathing and just in and out. And try to picture your family of origin home. And whatever image comes up, it doesn't have to be the first home. It can be any home that comes up of your family of origin. So just notice who's at home and where are you, maybe how old you are, and where is your mother. And maybe it was a mother figure, you know, a grandmother or other important Mm -hmm. caretaker, but try to zoom in on her and try to see her as the unique individual that she is. What is she doing? What's the look on her face? And imagine her coming towards you and taking your hand and walking you into the kitchen with her. 
and she's going to fix something special for you to eat. And it could be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with no crust. It could be slices of an apple. It could be a fresh pierogi that she just made or a big saucy meatball from the big pot that she has been working on all day. (laughs) Sounds good. And just try to feel that connection of your mom in the kitchen. Mm. And it, again, it may not, your mom may not have been the big cook, you know, but everybody eats and everybody has a mom. Yeah. So see if you can make that connection to your mother figure or your mother and your experience in the kitchen and eating with her. And see if for you the memories of your family home kitchen bring up other important images or feelings and try to just linger in that. Mm. That's so very I wondered sweet. What, what came up for you? What did you think mm. of? Uh, I was thinking about, actually, I was thinking about a later in life memory, not of like the young, but of your house where you live now Uh and of making really nice meals together um, for like the summer, actually, particularly. And then, you know, Mm. taking all the stuff and going out on the porch and having a nice meal together. And then also I thought of... um, when I would, when I come to your house sometimes and I'll drive out cause I need to do something on Long Island and you, you sit me down at the table. I haven't done this in over a year, but you sit me down at the table and you're like, I made soup. And then there'll be some delicious soup with like a big container of grated pecorino cheese in the middle of the table to just mound onto the soup. And, uh, that was a comforting and lovely thought. What did you think of? Mm. Um, I thought of, um, actually I said the slices of an apple because I remember that. I remember my mother, you know, just slicing an apple. And there was just mm-hmm. something. I lingered in that moment just now. Like, it, mm-hmm. our memories get all condensed sometimes, and then sometimes we can separate them and single them out. And I really had this image of her. I could hear the cutting of the apple. She loved the juicy apple. My mother loved yeah. the juicy apple. So the way she handed me the piece of apple, it was because she loved it. Yeah. And I think so That's either when, when our mother is making that food for us either she's giving us something that we she knows we love or she's giving us something that she loves you know but there's something about that there's the connection of the the heart in that yeah totally um so i wonder what are we going to do for mother's day well i don't know we haven't decided yet but we've been Mm. chatting about it i mean i intend to leave it up to you what do you want to do for mother's day Mm. Well, there's been years where we've planted things and there's years we went to nurseries and things like that. But for me, just taking a really wonderful walk and I don't know what I love more. And also having some um, lavender because, um, I'm sorry, lilac. Because remember, up here in the Northeast, lilacs bloom on Mother's Day. Oh, do they? Yes, they do. I didn't know that. Hmm. So, um, and just, you know, all I can say is that for me looking over at my, my beautiful woman daughter, um, who's just such a beautiful human being. And I feel I, I didn't make you the way you are. You, you have evolved out of, uh, out of who you, you are. You have a very strong but influence. I'm so proud of that, but I am so proud of you. Aww. Not because I made you. You're going to make me cry. You became who you are as a human, as a human. And I just feel such, so for me just to be with you and to feel the pride 
of the human being that you are to me is a great thing. And I remember carrying you in my belly. I have pictures. I've sent them to you before. You've seen them. Of, I, have, um, I have pictures. Of, I was so this. proud of that baby in my belly. I was just, it was the greatest thing. Just amazing, sweet, amazing mom. feeling. So to all the mothers out there, all the kinds of mothers, all the different kinds and all the kinds of daughters and sons um, that are out there, you know, this is a, a primal experience, our relationship with our mothers. And I think as a therapist, I will say that it's important to work through things if you can, because if you can come to that place where you see your mother as a person, not just as your mother, but as a human being who had a life before you, who, who was probably living yeah. at least 20 to maybe 30 years before you, and just to honor that, you know. Yeah. And that's why I think Mother's Day is so special. It's just to honor um, this other human that's so intricately involved in our life. Um, I found yeah. another really wonderful poem that I'd like to read, and it's by Mitch Album, And he says, there's a story behind everything, how a picture got on a wall, how a scar got on your face. Sometimes the stories are simple and sometimes they're hard and heartbreaking, mm. but behind all your stories is always your mother's story because her story is where yours began. Mm. That's very interesting. I love it. Beautiful. Yes. You know, I have an interesting feeling that's come up for, you know, and, and more intensely as each passing year, which is that, you know, I'm 37 and I'm single and there's many things that I enjoy about my single life. I really love it. You know, like I, I really, really do. Um, but also, you know, I've never been someone who's like really wanted to have kids, but also not, not wanted to have kids. I feel mm -hmm. open to it. Um, I think there's extreme advantages to both lifestyles and disadvantages to both lifestyles. And I'm fine with either one really. Um, but it is very interesting as I continue to age <laughs> like a fine cheese <laughs> that, um, I am accepting that I might never be a mother. You know what I mean? And part of me still feels, com would feel completely incapable of it because I feel like I'm 14, much of the time, you know what I mean? I'm like right, I'm right. being a mother, I'm not ready for that yet. And I'm like, I'm 37. Right. So actually I'm almost like overly ready. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I, whatever, but, um, you know, realizing that as something that mm -hmm. at likely more likely than not won't happen is a very interesting, and you know, you never know. I'm not saying this isn't like a sob story. I'm just being real. And I'm sure there's people out there who think that, and it's a weird thing about, you know, I don't know about pressure and timing and like, right. I'd gladly be single and childless for another 15 years if, if biology allowed for that. But then there becomes this kind of pressure mm. as you become mm. older, also not only to have a kid, but then to like find a partner. And you're like, well, I kind of don't even care if I find a partner, but I kind of I guess I have to because then I won't be able to, you know what I mean? So there's all this kind of weirdness around. Well, there are people uh, that save their eggs and they do that because they just want to be a mother and they're not going to wait yeah. until that. But there's so many, that's the whole point. There's so many different yeah. possibilities. I think of our very dear friend, Kathy, who I talk about a lot on the show and she's been one of our guests who never had, um, you know, the family, uh, the traditional family, but she had a business. And she had, in that business, she had 
many, many sons and daughters. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, they come to her. They nice. don't go to their own mothers, many of uh-huh. them. They go to her yeah. in the, their life challenges and the things that happen to them. Yeah. And um, so we, mother means a lot of different things. It really yeah. does. You know. But I, I think it's um, what you're saying is very poignant and... And I think it's also important then in that to honor people who don't want, who do not want to be mothers. There's, right, I have exactly. plenty, I have, you know, a couple of friends who don't want to have kids and don't want to be moms. And like, there's, it's like this thing almost when you're like, you're looked at as like, oh, you, you don't want to have kids. Like what's wrong? You know, like some people don't want to. Absolutely. And that's okay too. And that's like. 100%. You know, I think it's important to respect and honor those people who for just perfectly good reasons just don't want to be a don't want to be parents, you know. Right. And then there's the concept. I know sometimes you get um, upset when I compare Bo, our dog, and I (laughs) say I'm her mother because, you know, there's and there are many people that have animals and pets and they feel like that is their child and that's a very I don't powerful, get upset powerful when you feeling. say that you're I the dog's tease, mother tease I get upset <laughs> when you say that we're sisters because <laughs> that's <laughs> that's crazy um, and I'm not the only one I spoke to somebody the other day who has a similar problem they're like my mother keeps calling the dog my sister and I was like welcome <laughs> to my world it's fucked up <laughs> that's funny they're so like I hate it about- I was like me too so let's think about a few words that describe what mother is. And now I hope for our, for us today in our conversation and for our listeners that we realize that it's a much broader world. It, word. It doesn't just mean one thing. It means many, many, many things. And, and also to, and also it doesn't have to, it's not gender exclusive. A mother right, does exactly. not have to That's be right. a woman. And a mother doesn't have to be a cis woman and a mother can, you know what I mean? And I think it's important, um, to, to talk about that too. And a daughter doesn't have to be, or, you know, a a cis female woman, you know, there's all Mm -hmm. kinds of different, uh, ways that the parent child relationship can exist. Exactly. Exactly. So, but let's think of what the word mother, you know, what we want, what it means from our conversation today. So, Mm. um, I think like giver of life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, caregiver. Mm. Giver. <laughs> giver. Giver. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nurturing and, but then all these things also have all these things that maybe have positive connotations. Some others are not nurturing. So I think it's so exactly. nuanced. It can be so, you know what I mean? Like there's no. Yeah. But remember that concept they talked about before of the good mother. We find mm. that concept of mother right. somewhere in our life. We all need that. Right. It's part of our um, concept of attachment. If we didn't right. have a concept of mother, it's hard to have attachment. Right. So we find so, it yeah, in, other, I think in other places. Source of life and uh, mm. bestower of nurturing and nourishment. Mm. And hopefully that all everyone listening has the opportunity to find that somewhere with some person in their life that can you know, bestow some wisdom and nurturing and nourishment and, um, comfort, compassion and and compassion and yeah, protection. And Mm. I think, yeah, honoring that and realizing that it doesn't have to be your biological woman mother is a very, uh, hopefully empowering thought and hopefully liberating towards people who don't have 
good relationships with their moms or, you know, but yeah, I have a question for you um, as a mental health professional. Mm -hmm. So for those of us uh, listening who either have mothers and have complicated relationships with them, those of us who maybe have had, you know, difficulty with conceiving people who, uh, lost their parent, whatever has lost a child, anyone who's suffering with this day, mm-hmm. what yeah. is the, as a mental health professional, what advice could we give to folks to take care of themselves this, this mother's mm-hmm. day? What a beautiful question. Well, the, what comes to mind is the concept of self-compassion. Mm-hmm. You know, and to truly, if there's nothing else we've talked about today is all the possibilities of struggles that people have all the the ways that we struggle and how society doesn't really make room for it or identify it. They make everything all cleaned up and pretty. And so to just honor yourself and have the compassion for yourself as a, an, an trying in life and endeavoring in life and, mm. and being the person that you are. So I think self-compassion would be the most important thing that you could have on a day like today. And f- I think that when we connect to something bigger than ourselves, you know, whether it's nature or other people, um, there's something about that that gives us perspective. Mm. So it's self-compassion and also connecting to the bigger whole so that we have some um, perspective Mm. about ourselves. And I guess my unprofessional advice would just be that Um, remembering that multiple feelings can exist at the same time. And it's almost like being at the beach where like, you know, you're in the, in the ocean and you're kind of bobbing in the beautiful waves. And then sometimes a big giant wave comes and it doesn't mean that like, you know, you can be having a beautiful day and a big giant wave can come over you and then the sun can come out and then, you know, exactly. Everything keeps changing. Feeling well, just that multiple feelings can exist, you know, at the same time, and that you know, if you're with your, let's say you're with your mother on Mother's Day and you're having a beautiful day, and then all of a sudden you feel really sad, or you've lost your mother and you're struggling, and then you have a great memory and you have a laugh, like you know what I mean? That that's right. not or, that's or not weird a, or unusual. Exactly. It's normal. It's normal. Exactly. It's normal exactly. to have complicated yeah. and conflicting feelings all at once. Amen. And, uh, Sing it, sister. Yeah. Sing it, daughter. So, what are we gonna? What are we gonna? Br- you know how we talk and ask our guests, "What are we gonna bring to the <gasps> dinner party? What are we gonna oh, bring to our Mother's to Day Mother's Day dinner oh. party together?" Well, I have a request. Okay, what is but it? Doesn't I mean wonder you can't I, make something else. But I, I have an instinct about what it's gonna be, and I wonder you if don't it's right. Know. You have no idea. Well, I don't okay. know. Chocolate babka. <gasps> you make babka. the most. You make the most delicious chocolate babka, and I remember chocolate babka because my mom, who I've told many of you was a Holocaust um, survivor and refugee, at one point she was in Austria right during the war, and her husband she had married at age sixteen had a bakery, a huge bakery, his family, and they just made chocolate babka. <laughs> so to I'll me, the thought of chocolate babka—that's what I would love. Chocolate babka you know, at our funny. feast. I was going to make um, sourdough choc- uh, chocolate cinnamon rolls. And mm. so it's almost the same thing, but I'll make babka instead. But I was like thinking, you know, cinnamon rolls are so popular and I like making everything with sourdough. So 
instead of regular dry yeast. So I was going to do a cinnamon roll, but instead of doing the like just cinnamony filling, I was going to do a dark chocolate filling with that mm. black cocoa and cinnamon and right. crushed up walnuts and make like Crumbs. this delicious, ah. like <gasps> crumb filled cinnamon bun. And then a little bit of cream cheese frosting on top. And I thought that mm. would be very good. Now I would like, would you request something from me? Something that you know that I make that you love? Um, like? well, gosh, Bobby, you already gave me the thing that I love that you make the most, which is your chicken strudel. And so I feel like I've already gotten that, but really like you make, Bobby makes everything delicious. I mean, I love your bambazzini, which is like a ch- braised chicken, almost like a chicken cacciatore that you make, but you call it bambazzini and it's so delicious. Something like that with like a classic Bobby, you know, nice braised chicken dish with vegetables and some kind of rice pilaf. That just reminds me of you and a big crunchy salad. Um, okay. Sounds good. You got a and feast. I'll bring, I'll bring the dessert. Okay. Sounds good, sweetie. Okay, cool. Happy, uh, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. And listen, take care of yourselves. You, you folks, we love you and, uh, be nice to yourselves. My therapist often tells me to think of the little girl version of me and then to go and give that person, that, that little person a hug. And so maybe you just need to give your little version of yourself a hug today. Beautiful. It's, it's a cute, it's a cute image, if nothing else. <laughs> it's okay. more than that. It's more. Yeah. It's very, it's, it's kind. It's a, it's basically just being kind. And like you were saying before, you know, compassionate towards yourself. Yeah. But actually you, you added to what I said, because it's not just compassionate to yourself today. It's all the layers of us. It's the baby in us, the child in us, the teenager in us, the young adult in us, you know, to just be compassionate to all those parts of ourselves. For sure. Um, I love you, mom. Love you, Sass. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. My name is Samantha Garner and I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm a Cheeselandian because I take cheese seriously just like they do in Wisconsin. Cheeselandia is a community for loud and proud cheese lovers brought to life by Wisconsin Cheese. I know that I can always cook amazing food with their cheese and it's even good enough just to snack on. As a Cheeselandia member, I know there is always a supportive community behind me who always gets as excited as I do about cheese. Go to Cheeselandia.com to learn more. And if it's for you, sign up. Check us out on Instagram at Cheeselandia. Thank you so much for joining us for Processing. We realize that sharing these types of deeply intimate stories on air is a very personal decision. We began this project as a way to connect our listeners through shared experiences and storytelling. We hope that Processing can be a platform for sharing, learning, and healing. We appreciate our guests' willingness to be vulnerable and value nothing more than making both our guests' and listeners' experiences with our show positive and progressive. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or writing in a listener letter, please email processing at heritageradionetwork.org. Please follow us at processing underscore podcast on Instagram. Processing is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food Radio, supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. 
You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.